Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Football Scouting Journey podcast. My name's David Lynch. So to start with, I'm just going to take you back a little bit, um, recap on my journey. When I started the podcast up, it was really an opportunity for me to kind of keep an online scrapbook of my my journey in football. I think it's it's not totally unique, but it's fairly unique in terms of um, how I've kind of progressed in a fairly short period of time. So I'm just going to kind of recap on that and explain what I'm doing now, what I'm up to, uh, what I've been up to in the last couple of months. And then I've got a fantastic guest on the show, uh, which is Martin Carter, who's head of academy recruitment for Middlesbrough Football Club. So just taking you back a little bit, um, recapping on my journey. Um, played a little bit of football, nothing nothing too serious, nothing too too technical. Um, and I started to really get involved when my son got involved in football, a little bit of coaching. Uh, but before that, um, my main kind of career in life has been in business. I spent 18 years in business, 11 of which um, were setting up my own company, Lynch Healthcare. Um, so I think it's it's can't really underestimate how many sort of skills, any life skills and challenges that have really helped me uh, become the person I am today with with setting the business up. Um, all aspects of of business as in terms of recruiting my first member of staff, developing that into a team, and not just being about all about me, understanding finance, learning how to raise finance to to help grow the company, various different marketing campaigns, different processes and systems, setting up different systems in the business to allow us to grow supplier customer relationships and I think then just overall kind of my own personal development and learning how to be an effective leader in a business Uh, so those 11 years have really kind of helped me I would say move into the the role I'm in in football now and that transition being a lot easier than if it had just been from a footballing point of view, I, that, that's kind of my opinion on that. Um, so lot, lots learned within 11 years of business. Um, I'm ambitious within my football career as well as a business career. Um, my ultimate my, my ambition is to be kind of sporting director or CEO of a Premier League football club. I know that's a massive that's a massive goal to set myself, but that's how I've kind of run. That's that, that's been my life, as I guess, from from an early age, set myself high goals, and and doing everything I can within my power to achieve them goals. So yeah, um, within my kind of recruitment um, and scouting career, um, I started up twelve months. Um, I spent with. Uh, I was lucky enough to get an opportunity with Blackburn Rovers. So I spent twelve months with the club, um, with with pretty much with their first team, an academy scout, um, John Brown. So within that period, I was lucky enough to kind of really get a f- uh, do an apprenticeship, I guess, which was kind of fast tracked. It was it was looking at player recruitment from academy, I'd say fourteens, all the way through to twenty threes. Uh, did a lot of games with with John. Uh, learnt the kind of ropes, learnt the do's and don'ts and then kind of progressed 
into more detail around you know what you should look for to play at different age groups. Uh, later on, uh, within that twelve months, we started to do a bit of opposition scouting. Uh, so John sort of spent a lot of his own time, uh, helped training me on on how to go about that, how to structure that, what the key bits of information you need to be uh, taken from a from a live game and being able to feed back that to the manager in the right in the correct way. Um, that was a fantastic kind of grounding for me. Like I say, very lucky to get that opportunity and very lucky to work with somebody like John. Um, I then had a brief spell with Scarborough Athletic, um, which uh, which was brief before I was uh, recruited by a club called South Shields Football Club based in the northeast of England. They're a step three club and the role was to go in there as head of recruitment, both heading up the recruitment in the academy which is a um starts off at a eleven to fourteen program um in our foundation, uh futures foundation, and then moving to a sixteen to nineteen program uh, in conjunction with Sunland College and then obviously spending a, a good sort of percentage of my focus on first team recruitment. So I kinda that started in around about the February time. Um, it was a case of really kind of the feet didn't hit the ground for the first four to five weeks. Um, it was getting in there. It was a, a lot of my time um, when I wasn't out looking at uh, player scouting and re- and opposition scouting, which I can come on to, was really um, working with the managers, really understanding the club, really understanding what our philosophy is, what our end goal is. Um, you know what we had in the building in terms of players and squads, and how the ultimately how the managers wanted to play the game of football. So um, I spent a I spent a lot of them four or five weeks um, with the managers. So that that was um, that was sitting down with them on a Monday morning. Uh, it was going through um, the games from the weekend really in 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 detail so we were doing some kind of video analysis on on the games on the players what we did well what we did what we didn't do so well which again was a very good ground in me and on how they want to play the game um i got myself along to training sessions i got me along self to team meetings so i could understand the communication between what the managers would want the players to do uh that was generally on a thursday with a view of again looking at uh, the game on a Saturday and then starting again on Monday so reviewing the game knowing a bit more about what we wanted to do in that game how we did it so you know just basically engulfing myself in the club sitting with the managers as much as I could two very very good experienced guys I've been really really impressed uh, with both their approach with me in the integration in the recruitment because before I came into the club um, it it's, I think it's fair to say I wasn't weren't able to give the recruitment uh, the the focus that it that it kind of deserves both now and going forward. So they put their approach to me was first class, um, but also the approach to to help me kind of learn more about their kind of their playing style and and really helping me uh, learn what what the club needs and wants going forward. 
so that was that was fantastic but amongst that i was getting out and watching players um a couple of times two or three times a week even um opposition scouting i did a couple of opposition uh reports probably the most uh important one was um was with a view of a um a game we had coming up with fc united which was actually the last game that we played as a club um so kind of went down traveled down to derbyshire the week before did a detailed report on on how i kind of saw their playing style their kind of weak threats weaknesses strengths sat down with the management during the week went over it also saw some other games on video um and really came together at the end of the week and really kind of planned the execution and, and how we were going to go about that that game coming up against FC United, which which you know turned out very positive. Um, so it really was a um, hit the ground running in them first f- four or five weeks. Um, but obviously then came COVID nineteen, um, which you know none of us have have experienced before. Um, but I saw that as a fantastic opportunity to really kind of look at our club's the recruitment process and going forward and what that needed to look like. The managers had already done a lot of work on on how that could look. Um, but obviously, because of their other main commitments in the club, um, there wasn't really an opportunity to do, to do that in, in a great deal of detail. So we kind of looked, started, we looked at... Um, we looked at each area um, that needed to be implemented. Uh, we 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 come up with a full kind of recruitment process. Uh, we came up with um, exactly what we wanted from each position. So we went through each position in detail, kind of really highlighted what what the kind of main attributes each player should have going forward, which would fit in with the playing style. Um, and then we worked out a kind of scoring matrix, which would then create some new player reports for each position. So when we, myself and, and some of the other members of the team, whether that's existing members of the team or people that are recruited into the, into the department, we kind of knew exactly how each report um, need, needed to be done and making sure that it linked into what what the managers want, wanted from each position um going forward um started to kind of look at what the squad uh currently is uh could potentially look like at the end of the season which obviously is looking like it's now um you know started to kind of build up that knowledge um but still at the time had to had to do some work on um what what our squad what our squad requirements would be if we did get promoted to the national league and what it needed to be and look like if we ended up having to stay in uh, the um, the current league that we're in, which is step three, um, the Premier Division. So there it, it was a lot of kind of uncertainty around. Um, I was then able to spend a bit of time during COVID um, with, with the academy, uh, Wes Brown, is uh, the caddy manager, excellent guy again, giving me a lot of support when I came into the club and we kind of looked at what we needed to do. Um, again, just to recap, it's a 16s to 19s programme. 
the the players spend a lot of time at the club with our coaching staff, and um, but also going to Sunderland College to do the kind of educational piece. Um, so worked a lot with Wares, kind of identified some areas that would help with our recruitment. So we're looking to do a little bit, and we've started to do um, some work on a on a on brochure on marketing. Uh, kind of look at maybe he's doing a, a podcast which will be focused around the academy, uh, do, looking to do a, a video um, on on our academy and, you know, what we can really offer youngsters in the area going forward. Um, relationships has been a, a big thing. I think, I'm sure anybody in a similar kind of position would, would agree that networking has been a massive, massive positive within within the COVID period. Um I kind of joined the professional scouts network um, a couple of months before, and that that's been an absolute godsend. It's been fantastic. Uh, so every Thursday we've been able to jump on a, a Zoom call. Um, so some calls have been just generic around about um, scouting and recruitment, whether that's within first team or sometimes within academy. Um, we've uh, Gareth, uh, one of one of the guys who's been heading up the academy side, has been. He's done a fantastic job in getting key speakers. So we've heard from, um, we've heard from one of the senior recruitment people within uh, Sport in Lisbon, um, within San Jorge Earthquakes, which is a Californian uh, club, um, and and even hearing from guys that have had a lot of experience and success within uh, European markets. So uh, a guy that was um, heading up um, and being involved in recruitment at Ajax and, and other. Dutch club, so that's been very good. Um, I've been personally, I've been looking at um, some of the successes that we've had with uh, within loan recruitment. Um, so I've been very lucky to be able to speak to some uh, some clubs within the Championship and the Premiership. Uh, I've managed to speak to sort of clubs like Leicester City, Man City, um, as well as other northeast clubs in terms of how they what they see the real benefits of their players going out on loan and. I've started to build like a presentation um that I'm that I'm working on. That's just gonna give South Shields gonna put put ourselves up there as a real good op, uh, option for clubs going forward to be able to loan players out of South Shields and see them grow and develop like we have with players such as Barley Mumba last season, Jordan Hunter, Miles Boney. So it's um there's there's been a lot there's been a lot going on uh, but relationships I see and networking's been a key part of that. Um, then I kind of been looking at video scouting. Um, we we already had a Y Scout account. Um, so um I've also looked at Instat and um, been able to negotiate a free trial with them. So I would say during the COVID period, I've probably averaged two games a day. Um, and that's been anything from the National League North, South to the National League to League Two. And that's been really building up myself and the club a, a data place of for players going database for players going forward, um, based on our kind of key areas of what of really what the club is is, is all about and what it's gonna need going forward as we progress progress up the league so that's a little bit of a whistle stop view of of what I've been up to as my head of recruitment at South Shields Football Club uh, lots going on every day 
Um, it's been absolutely fantastic. I've loved every minute of it, and um, I'm looking forward to get back <laughs> to real football and getting out there on the grass and and really and and really, um, I would say maximise everything that we've I've been able to do with with the staff in the club and the managers and putting them foundations in place and putting all the systems and progress and processes in place and actually then start to kind of use that to our benefit um as we enter the new season so i think there's a lot lot of exciting things to come from the club in in the years following so on to today's guest um very lucky to have in the studio uh, martin carter martin's head of recruitment academy recruitment at middlesbrough football club i actually met martin he was the one of the tutors on my talent id level two with the english fa so i met martin on on that course um we actually that that course was actually in cheshire um so martin martin you know i made a bit of contact with him being a being a local a local lad to where i'm based and and he's based up in the northeast um martin was was excellent on the course in terms of obviously delivery but also a little bit of mentoring around where 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 different people were in in their own journeys um martin i've kept in touch with martin ever since and he's helped us with a few things i've put together um so built a bit of a relationship with martin and uh martin's kindly agreed to come on to the short day to give us a bit of insight into his career within within recruitment which is a long standing career so a lot to learn from martin both for myself and and for the listeners so without further to do um after a short short break i'm going to introduce martin thanks for listening guys hello and welcome to the scouting journey podcast my name is david lynch and i'm very lucky to have on the show today martin carter who is head of academy recruitment for middlesbrough football club how are you doing martin yeah very well david yeah yeah all good thanks great stuff how How's lockdown been treating you? Well, to be honest with you, um, I've just had a, an embarrassing moment. Um, I take my little girl out, Layla, on a 5k run uh, around Hardwick Park, the park run, and um, it gets to a stage now where I'm ambling behind her and she turns around and says, you're embarrassing. But <laughs> hey, listen, while she's still able and willing to come out with me at the moment, I'll, I'll accept I'm embarrassing. So yeah, all, all, all good this side. <laughs> That's excellent. How old is she? So she'll be thirteen in she'll be thirteen in August. Um, oh, the good well. thing about a, a couple of years ago, you're basically able to say, you know, you say to your missus, oh, I'll let her win today. Now there's <laughs> absolutely no letting her win, <laughs> and I just say, ah, listen, she's won. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, yeah, thanks again for, for coming on and having a chat today. Um obviously, um I met you first of all, Martin. Um on the Talent ID Level 2 course down in Cheshire. Uh, and I know we've kept in, in contact since then. You were, you were actually a tutor on the course. Um, so, yeah, we've kept in contact and you've, you've helped us with a few things along the way in my journey. So thanks for that before we start. But um, it would be great, Martin, if you can just give the, the listeners a bit of a, a whistle-stop view of your kind of career to date, really, if possible. Yeah, so I mean, um, as as every as every young 
uh, young boy, really, um, your, your fascination with, with, with football sort of occurs at a real early stage. And when, uh, at my age, when we first started playing at school and, you know, if you, if you showed signs of impact in games, you, you'd, in the first or second year at school, you'd play for the fourth and fifth year uh, team at primary school. And, um, and then when you went to secondary school, you know, things started to develop from there, really, where now... Uh, boys start to start to attend academies, development centres at a much younger age. So basically, um, and the, the ultimate fact was I, I was sort of a real early physical maturer. <laughs> and and I look at look back now and me understanding um, what my what my strong points were back when I played. And now, obviously, I, I suppose I go against identify the players the opposite the way I was. But I guess, I guess, I guess, looking back then, I was a real sort of performance over potential. I was, um, I, I sort of, uh, I was an associate schoolboy at Middlesbrough, um, and then continued my football education um, after leaving school with Hartlepool, and then before I knew it, I was demoted again to uh, to the Northern League second tier. And and I was just waiting for my next uh, for my next demotion. <laughs> um, but no, no, I mean, like I say, um, like uh, from from fourteen, my my peak performances were fourteen to sixteen, really. And um, again, looking back, that was highlighted in early maturity and and, and a real sort of um, advantage over over developing younger players uh, who I was playing up against. So. And basically, after my release from after my release from Middlesbrough, um, th- through through a guy who I hold very close to me, <laughs> um, and, and become a fantastic uh, influence and uh, mentor to me as as I progressed in the game in a scouting pub capacity. Obviously, Ron Bourne, um, who who done a fantastic job at Middlesbrough, um, and obviously, you know, I, I do look upon him as a, a close friend as well as um, you know a mentor and and, and helped me massively. Uh, through my time and, and progression up until now, you know. So, yeah, yeah, uh, I owe a lot to him and I do feel um, and find myself in a very privileged position. Um, but I always say uh, to a lot of close friends, you know, there's no there's no cutting corners. There's no, um, you know, the, 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 there's no cheating. You have to work hard and put the time in because if you don't, like in lots of other environments, you will get found out. So you need to put the work and time in and you have a lot of people around you who were who very flexible and particularly your wife who can understand and, you know, which yeah, unfortunately I do have, you know. Excellent. So, I mean, so, I mean, that, that, that career within scouting recruitment, was that around about like 2004 then, Martin, when you started off? For, for well, the well to be honest, to, to, to be honest, obviously I progressed into full time. Um, football uh, um, in 2004 in a in a capacity mm-hmm. where I was assistant to head of recruitment, mm-hmm. um, but prior to that, um, a lot of a lot of experience and, and build up um, t- was taking place. So um, I was still playing in the Northern League till I was 23, and I had a, a really bad leg break. Um, and I, I know I, I, I sort of tried to tell everybody that finished me off, but believe me, I was well finished before <laughs> that leg break. And uh, and like I say, what it did do, it allowed me to to really throw myself into to experience watching experience watching all different phases of grassroots academy, of county level games, of Northern League, non-league, and, and and football league games. And 
like I say, now, now people are, are specific to be a to be a real, um, you know, to be a real ex, expert in phases. Where I was fortunate enough back then, because I had a lot of time on my hands with um, recovering from a from a broken leg, I, I really threw myself into watching um, so many games and. You know, I, I've got to really thank, um, maybe it's not to her face, but I've got to thank, thank my missus back there for, <laughs> for really being, you know, understanding and, you know, and, and allowing me to, 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 to chase my dream, really. And I, I did, you know, did experience and develop watching so many different phases, which give me an understanding now of what a player looks like at one stage of the phase and what he should look like at the next stage and the next stage. Listen, there's no guarantees, but it does give you more of a um, more of an example mm. what you can work off, you know. Brilliant. So, I mean, when you first start going out at games, obviously after your leg break, we, we, had you decided in your mind that scouting recruitment was what you wanted to get into, or was it a case of just going out a few games and just seeing where it took you? Or did did you know that you wanted to get into into scouting, Martin? Do you know what? Things fall upon you and, and things happen for a reason I'm a big believer in. And whatever I did in in a passion of mine, football or, or, or whether it is going to the gym or whether it is you get your head round, whatever you have a passion that you're not overly, um, that you're not overly or, or, you know, or have an interest in, you don't put the same work into it. So when, when I when I first um, was given the opportunity by Ron to, to start watching games and he, he obviously gave a, a real trust in me to, to, to go out and watch games. I was only 19 when I started scouting, which is very, right. very young. Um, and, and looking back now, I had lots of deficiencies and lots of, um, probably lots of faults. But you know what? I, I think when you identify you know your faults that's when you can progress it's the mm-hmm. it's the people that don't they know the strengths anyone who'll tell you the strengths and, and and talk about how good they are they sometimes you know they sometimes sort of move away from what they're not good at and they don't want to look at that where i i was clearly you know i clearly now know what my deficiencies are what my weaknesses are but i think that makes me better at my job now because i Ultimately, I, I know where I need to work with. I know where I need to, um, you know, uh, pass on to other people to support with. So collectively, it helps everybody. So I'm comfortable with that. Absolutely. So from 19, I started scouting and, and you make mistakes. But I look back, they're not, I used to think then, oh, the mistakes. But now they're not mistakes because if mm-hmm. you didn't make those mistakes, you'd not know how to put them right um, down the line, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and I guess since then you've gone on to I, I guess very lucky in the sense that you've 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 been involved in all three sort of phases of um, academy football, um, well, f- foundation phase, youth development phase, through professional development phase, um, but there's obviously there's pre academy before that as well. So just for maybe the because there'll be there'll be coaches listening to this. Uh, people at the very start of their journey in scouting, more experienced scouts, but there'll be parents as well, Martin. So can you just give them a little brief view of um, if we started with, say, the foundation phase, what it's all about and, and how Middlesbrough go about sort of looking after and treating the kids and what, what they look for as well? Yeah, I mean, um, 
phase, pre-academy phases, obviously um, prior prior to they're able to register with the academy. Um, so that's like a five to eight year old. Um, and academy, um, your first phase is, is sort of under nines to under 11s, which um, in, 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 in common ground, it's five to 11s, which is foundation phase, um, academy level at uh, youth development phase is 12 to 16s. And then PDP phase, professional development level is 17 to 21s. However, that incorporates the, the under 23s um, prior to first team. So mm -hmm. I think at pre-academy, I, I sort of, I try to sort of be as, um, to, to be as quite laid back about it as possible. And sometimes I'll watch a player and my, my words will be, and, and some people are looking and thinking, well, what is he? And I just say, I think he has something, he's got something. And, and people will look who are just sort of new, new in it and they'll go, well, he's got what? what? What traits does he have? What checklist has he ticked off? And because I've experienced this over 20 years and, and had the ability to go out and throw myself to watching games. That doesn't mean I'm better than anybody else. It just means that I've experienced um, those traits, been it players who have gone on and played uh, football league and gone on and progressed, uh, had the potential to progress further. Like I say, it, it, it obviously pre-academy level, we all see, we, we, we all see when we're, you know, when we're taking our kids down the park, we see caterpillars, we know they're going to, on the trees, we know they're going to turn into butterflies. Where at pre-academy, we, we have to look at the traits that they could be like a butterfly, but we don't know if that's going to happen. So we just mm -hmm. traits and snippets that they might they might show you while they're playing. So it may be just a it may be a, a physical trait where he moves well or he's explosive or he you know or, or he or he has great agility. It might be a technical trait that he's able to ball strike off both feet. He, it might be a psychological trait where he loves what he's doing and he he just sort of they might they might concede lots of goals, but he just might keep smiling and keep getting the ball out the back of the net and wanting to play on. It might be just snippets, and those snippets are what we call potential. And if they show those snippets, we class them as potential, and that's what we try to, to look at, potential. We, we've got to get away from how much they impose themselves in games because that can occur mm -hmm. with a September birthday because he's experienced that many more uh, more experiences than the August birthday. You know, it doesn't always happen because it can be the alternate way around. However, you just got to take that all uh, in the process. So I think sometimes you've just got to look for snippets of potential and you've just got to be patient. You've got to be really patient with those snippets and not expect too much. And, and it is a real gradual process, you know? Yeah. And how, how do you, how do you, you know, recruit for scouts and spotters for, for this age group. Uh, what do you What do you do, and what sort of support and development do you give them as a club? I mean, ca can you take somebody on? You know, again for the for the person listening who wants to get into scouting for for the young ages. What What do they need to have, and what do they need to do, and then how do you go on and support them in their kind of in their role? Yeah, I, I just think the, the most important thing. Um, I, I really do believe this. The most important thing um, in, in, a, in a scout, because everybody has to start somewhere. When when people say, "Oh, um, I just have a niche for it," I have a knack for it. I, I don't always believe that. I, I always think somebody um, who's a good person. I think that's the priority. A good person 
who've got good morals, who are receptive to, to and be open-minded to listen to change. Things change. So I have, we all have our um, initial thoughts about something. But if someone tells me otherwise, and I can see that, I don't hang on to those initial thoughts that I had. So I've got to move with things. So I think anybody can become a... Obviously, you have to have a real thirst for football. You have to be willing to work hard. You have to be willing to get out there. I think a good person, loyalty, um, honesty. And I think you've got to be you've got to be able to build relationships. You've got to be a good communicator. You've got to you, you've got to know your weaknesses because your weaknesses. Um, if if you don't look what your weaknesses are, you might be missing out on getting a player over the line. You might be missing out on identifying a player. Um, so talent ID and recruitment is totally different. Somebody mm-hmm. to be really good at, you know, identifying that initial potential where other people might be great salesmen, great people skills and, and getting them over the line. I think you've got to be aware of what you're good at. Um, yeah. And if you're aware of what you're good at, then you're able to sort of incorporate other people who are, you know, who, who are stronger than you in those, your own deficiencies. And once you know that, that's when I think you're under a winner, you know? Yeah. And, and what would you say is the, the most like, common challenges for a scout working at the younger age, within the younger age groups? What, what do you always say is the biggest challenge that maybe is posed to you as well as uh, overseeing that? I think, yeah, I think the hard thing as a, as a newly, newly come scout at the younger ages is there's such a fine line between, uh, between players at that age so mm-hmm. such a fine line and, and, and the, the opinions, um, everybody has a different opinion on that player. And I think what my job is, is to, to try and educate and, 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 and just and sort of try and insist that the best players, the most imposing players, the most dominant players aren't necessarily the players who will progress into, into their academy journey. You know, and yeah. I think it's just... And sometimes they do. Absolutely, sometimes they do. But I think you've just got to make people aware that the most imposing, dominant, and dominating, um, physical, powerful players at, at, at a certain stage don't, are not the only ones who are able to, to progress all the way through. And I think as long as you make people aware of that, then they start looking at other things and, well, why aren't they? What, what, what occurs here? And why are the other players... Um, not as dominant you know and i think once you start triggering things off it's like yeah you're asking questions but you leave them open so you don't say this player won't progress because of this because you actually don't know i think you've got to leave the question up well this player might not progress if the other boy catches him up physically down the line so i think you've got to leave questions open but also you know thought provoke things where you know what you see is not always what you end up getting in the end. I think that's brilliant advice because I think a lot of people, you know, especially younger age groups, will they just automatically think that the lad who's scoring the most goals or the lad who's beating the most players because maybe they're the taller um, or a little bit sort of, you know, they are more developed, are going to be the ones that's going to be selected in the academy. So I think that's, that's that's great for for people to hear that I guess from the outside who 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 you know have got a, a son or a daughter involved in football and and you know they they are not quite at the 
the current kind of performance levels as as the other kids. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's great for me um, to 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 been able to experience that myself. To look back and think, ah, that's why that that's that's you know, at the time it's not great because you think I was the best player in my mind, and then two years later I'm not. So. Actually, looking back, I'm thinking, well, I wasn't the best player, but I was the, the, the most physically dominant, uh, powerful, um, early physical maturer. And I, I probably impacted games because of my performance and not my potential. But me looking back, it's great because, I mean, it, it's terrible, uh, terrible looking at myself. You know, you look at yourself now and, you know, we're, we're big, chunky legs and a, a stockily built lad, you know, I, I could cry here, but looking back, <laughs> back when 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 you when you're 12 13 and you hit puberty early and you're physically strong and you look great aesthetically on the eye and you're running past players and whoa this is you're the best player but looking back you weren't you you the most uh, and that's probably when i needed the most help thinking well while i'm physically dominant in games when people catch me ultimately at that time you don't think they will uh, and when people do catch you up do you have other ways to affect games? And I think that's the most important trait to look at. So, yeah, I'm just getting over that now, David. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, I mean, as well, I guess that you, with the young ages as well, the kind of parents will play a big part in that, you know, especially, especially you know, lads, that, kids that are sort of six, seven, eight, nine years old. And I, and I, I guess from, I've probably seen... From a few different angles, I've probably seen clubs that are very standoffish in terms of they'll give parents snippets and limited information, um, and it is a case of bringing your 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 kid along and and, and letting them join the session, and, and that's it. And then I've seen it from maybe it's a slightly different angle where the communication is very strong and parents are well informed with what's going on and why and why they're doing certain things, even to the point of going through the full program. With them, what's the kind of Middlesbrough? What's your kind of thoughts and philosophies around the communication levels with parents? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think ultimately, um, and this is a strong point of, of of myself as well. I think it's relationships. I think, you know, we always, I think we always say, um, when we initially start the journey, you know, we don't want to get too close to parents because, you know. Ultimately, at some point, we're going to have to give them the bad news. However, mm. I think if we fully make them aware of, of the journey and actually enjoy each other's company, enjoy each other's sort of advice and, you know, two-way conversations, I think when the journey ends, I think there's a lot of more positives than what there have been negatives. But I think you've got to make those, th those initial conversations crystal clear. Some people... Mm. My missus will always say the same. You only listen to what you want to hear. <laughs> She's probably yeah. when you when you crowd round some parents, newly newly signed boys into the the system, and parents are only listening to the the they the, the, could potentially turn off the blinkers and only listen um, to to the the positive about the sign, the registration about them playing against Man U, Blackburn, Liverpool, etc., 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 training in this lovely environment, getting the opportunities to to, to European travel. If that's all you're going to get, that is wonderful. It's a wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. And then you can say, yeah. at some point, the journey will end. However, you've had that opportunity to sample those, sample those experiences. And then at the end of the road, you can turn around in many years to come. I mean, 
um, you could turn around and say, do you remember when we went to, to Holland and played in the Hilversum tournament? Can you remember when, you know, you went to Kiel in the, you know, in the, in the night cup? Can you remember when you went to Warwick? You know, you, you can look back on those experiences and, and those friends stay for life and the massive life skills, not only in football. However, if you only focus on, you know, you, you're going to start at pre-academy phase, then you're going to go FP phase, then you're going to youth development phase, then you're going to offer the scholar, then you're going to go pro. There's so much pressure around it. And I think, you know, ultimately you've got to, you've got to really take it for what it is, which is a wonderful learning journey where we've got some fantastic people at, at the club who, who have experienced professional football, but also, you know, they've got children of their own and, and, and ultimately they know um, they know where the experience could end for them at any time. But you know what? The, the experience that had will allow them to possibly go into some other environment. Who, who, who could go into another environment of work and life and experience being a team member of 16, 17 players with, with uh, new newcomers coming into that uh, environment every year of, of trialists and being able to adapt to accommodate them, to uh, build relationships, to, to say goodbye to their best mates and then welcoming new people. And, and that's, actually, that's actually a trait that you, you move into um, work and life and you've got to be able to do that as well. So I think as long as you're honest and, and open and upfront with it, and, and you, you know you really sort of give give messages to parents about um, child's development and 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 their, um, where we think they are. Then I think as long as you're honest, they might not like the decision at the end, but they have to accept that. You know they have to accept that. Well, they've been honest right the way through, and they can blame a. People can blame a lot of things. We can blame a lot of things about a kid's not doing this, this and this. A parent can blame things on there. But the majority of time, we have a real good relationships with parents because I think you've got to be open and honest from the start. And if you are, I think we can shake hands and walk away and still and still bump into each other down the line and, and, and talk about the boy's development and, and his experiences because we, we always talked initially about keeping them, you know, arm's length but actually if it, we're honest and open early doors then we don't need to do that excellent that's a great insight and that's um that's great advice for, you know for, again for people listening in so i mean moving on moving on to the slightly older lads i mean what you you, you took up um a role of uh, head head of uh, recruitment within the academy for the foundation phase and on youth development phase was that at what point did that come in martin and then what was your what was the expectations yeah i think to, to be honest with you i think around 2014 2015 um obviously uh, ron who who was ron Bourne, who was head of academy recruitment for many years and and dave parnaby um who who you know who was head of he, he, head of uh, the whole academy um who both both sort of grew, if you like, they're probably not like me, but grew all together. Fantastic people, you know, and and real and real ambassadors for the for the club. And they were coming to an end. And it's funny the people who are actually in the current system. So um, Mark Tinkler, uh, Craig Little, who who actually Craig took over took over Dave, which was the natural successor, and is obviously doing a fine job now. So the progression of people who were already in the system. Had already been touched um, by people 
who who were working underneath them at the time. So Dave and Ron, obviously, it, it, it supported the likes of myself, Mark Tinkler, uh, Craig Little, and all those people in the system. And they eventually took over their roles. So um, I think it's I think it's a real it's a real positive stint on the on the football club where the people who were going to take over their roles were being supported by the people who were already in the roles, you know. So and, and what happened was when when they decided Dave and Ron decided that they were that they were going to come down from from the hot seat, if you like. I was he had a number of conversations about the natural progression, the same as Craig would have, the same as Mark would have in Craig's role. So um, I think. I think the people, the people who obviously took over from from Ron and Dave, you know, include myself, were were, were loyal, were good people who who had a, a wealth of experience in, um, obviously in, in in those phases in coaching and recruitment. Uh, myself, obviously in the recruitment, I, I'd been doing this now since since 1999. Um, so 1999, 2000, and then in 2015, like I say, all that experience that I, that that had been. You know, kindly passed on to from from Ron, Dave, etc. Um, I I got the opportunity now to put that in place as a head of recruitment with FP and YDP. Um, and and to be honest, initially, initially I thought to myself, you know, you know, do you do you just cunt that those guys have done? And however, I think you have to put your own stamp on it. Um, you, you take away a lot of the good things that that those guys have given you, but you have to put your own stamp on it. And why that is is because things change, things move, and you've got to expand with that. Because if you don't, what happens is when things do change and you've stuck in, in that continuous route, you're not able to adapt to new situations. So you've got to be really on the front foot and move things forward. So in 2015, um, I, I, obviously, I started looking after the foundation phase, pre-academy, and youth development phase, and um, and continued obviously the you know the, the the work that the guys had set the the foundations for, um, and obviously I'd you know I, I got the opportunity then to, um, to to start to do bits and pieces of work um, at first team level as well. So over the years, obviously, we've had um, uh, slight changes in the senior recruitment department and and fortunately enough and i think a lot of the experience that have been given i think um victor Orta came in um who's now at leeds and adrian beverton came in and obviously they they they'd identified potentially myself to help and support with the first team as well so i was basically juggling quite a few uh is it juggling balls or spinning plates i was doing quite a bit of that as well so um it's testing but i actually like it when it's been you've been tested, you've been pushed, and you know I, I'd, I'd had all the experience of viewing all those different phases, but also I was so keen and enthusiastic, which I am now to, you know, to do do my best for the club and, um, you know, and 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 support all the other departments which they're trying to do, you know. Yeah, yeah, great. And it, I mean, as the players get a little bit older, then in the sort of um, youth development phase, does does your recruitment approach and, and methods change much i think do you know what i think your recruitment um still stands by what you look at at a pre-academy is potential it really does so a lot of people think yeah you've got to add different things in place which you do but the initial recruitment at, at pre-academy is potential and i think i, I try to instill this into 
you know, into in lots of examples um, uh, with our own scouts to, to, to try and so it, it, you can visualize and see it. So, um, you know, by the time you get to 14, 15, your recruitment process, yeah, you're looking for more traits that they can achieve, um, but you're still looking at potential. Um, I think 12 to 16 is a, is a lovely age group because y- you start to then develop a knowledge for um, puberty. You start then develop a knowledge of maturation. You start and then develop a, a whole rounded, more complete player but you're also looking at you start to develop yourself um i I certainly know how that changes where i've almost got a 13 year old girl um she's almost 13 and she goes from being the loveliest gorgeous little girl in the world to saying that she just doesn't like you she just doesn't like you (laughs) like i can't get i can't get a grips with that but you know this is this is at that time so i always try and i always try and say to Say to coaches and say to parents, you know, you you may have a fourteen-year-old um, who's actually physically a twelve-year-old, and you may have a fourteen-year-old who actually physically is a sixteen-year-old. So when those are opposed against each other, you've actually got a four-year span, which is like having an eight-year-old playing against a twelve-year-old, which uh, it would be ludicrously. You wouldn't play a pre-academy boy against an under-twelve academy boy. Um, however, when you get to that 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 puberty yeah. that maturation that 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 band which really it, it, it really enthuses me this you know I, I love it because you can you then start to put things in place of why kids aren't um, affecting games and, and why their why their their potential is really highlighted about they're willing but they're just not able because they pose with people who are four year old or four year physically more developed and actually it's a mismatch but they're still willing, they still, they see it, but they're just not able to execute it. I know you can probably see the change in my voice, how excited I'm getting, but because I've seen this happen over the years and I've seen <laughs> them come out the other end and it's a, it's a wonderful thing to see. That's why I love that age group because it's a massive change. You never know what you've got until you come out the other end of puberty. Somebody says, oh, he can't run. Well, actually, once they come out the other end, things, your genetics can change. Your, sorry, your genetics don't change. But your actual impact and in, in you know and in, in physical traits can change. They really can. Um, but this is this is that stage, which is a it's a lovely age to to look at because you're looking at potential and what could be rather than what is now still even still. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, like in, in a perfect world, which where there's no perfect world, and certainly recruitment isn't a perfect world, but. You would you would have all the group that comes through from from the foundation into the youth development phase, but as we know that that doesn't happen. But does there come a point? I think one of the, the questions I always find quite interesting is, does there become a point, and at what age do, do you find that the lads who come from grassroots are just getting too far behind? Yeah. Where the do you know? Are do you know? I think that comes talk. a lot down to the psych social. Um, corner that because you see a lot of grassroots players and you know what I, I actually and, and it hits that 12 to 16 mark I see a lot of grassroots players where you've 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 sort of identified at pre-academy you've identified at foundation phase and they just they don't really have that imposing effect on games however they, they hit the 12 to 16 phase and all of a sudden you know they come out the other end and you think whoa have you seen and, and your words are pretty shape on it now 
look, look, his physical shape, look aesthetically on the eye. Look, he looks great. Well, he moves a lot yeah. better now. And, and a lot of these comments get thrown about he moves a lot better. So you've got a you've got a crystal ball, and you're trying to imagine what they could end up look like. You don't know. However, in that twelve to sixteen mark, you end up starting to see it quite clearly after. The, the foundation phase and the the youth the the, the sorry the pre academy and foundation phase you actually start to see in that twelve to sixteen age range people coming out of what they could look like when you thought what they were going to look like and I think sometimes you'll bring a kid in and you see them doing fantastic uh, things on a Sunday with a grassroots team and they don't do it in the academy system and you think well but you've got to look at why the hell would they because environment what are we like when we go to a new um we go to a new sort of uh, meeting at work or something like that we automatically we 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 with the people who we already know there's other people in the room but we we sort of we go and sit with people who we know so these kids basically have been never been in this environment before never been in this social mm-hmm. circle before stand up against the wall um and, and they look and you think, poor. Oh. And, and and you've I've heard words like boys, is because they've got a lot of things going on at that stage. They've got they've got exams, they've got girlfriends, they've got you know it's a massive change, and they're coming in an environment where nobody initially sort of wants to talk to you because they think you're going to take their place. You come into an environment where it's it's totally different because you've got no social um, you know connection with any of the kids. And no one, it, it is a massive step. But if a kid can come in and really sort of, you know, grit his teeth and go in there, walk into the changing room, it's tough. But if you can come in and, and show like a, a, a an application, they're willing to, 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 to have a go at it, then you think, ah, he's got a real social, psychological edge and, and, and he's tough and he can come in and mix with the kids. Then... The, the technical stuff you find catches up pretty quickly. And the reason why you've brought them in in the first place is because he can either manipulate the football or he can move well. So he has those traits. He just needs to put it all together. And sometimes it's hard to put together if you're unable to let you, you know, let the shutters down to just to go and, go and express yourselves. It's quite difficult. But that's why we, we mm-hmm. do like a buddying system in the academy. So our kids will come in and, you know, you link them up with someone who's really popular or really sort of sociable in the group and you'll go and introduce them to the rest of the kids. And I think initially it does make them feel as though they are a little, they're a part of it before they sort of start, you know. <coughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, and I guess as well from like a recruitment point of view, Martin, like, you know, when you're at the kind of, um, I guess when you're recruiting for, for your under nines to, to be signing for under nines, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the grassroots games are in kind of a, um, you know, a facility where all the games are all together, you know, and you, you would see the scouts mm-hmm. there from, from a half past eight in the morning all the way through to one o'clock and they're seeing loads of kids, they're seeing loads of games. As that starts to split up and the games are starting to be at separate venues, um, you know, how do you how do you make sure that you still get the coverage and, and how much is reliant on your relationships with the, the managers of these teams? Because, you know, with the best will in the world, you can't you can no longer get a scout to every game. Um once they once they get out and the, 
the playing the playing at their own venues. Yeah. How, how think, do you manage? That you know, sure I you think ultimately miss anybody. You, you, foundations in place, and you identify early where you're going to recruit, what level you're going to recruit at, and areas where you're going to recruit, and how you're going to do it. Because you can't, you are going to lose and you um, you are going to make younger age. You are simple. You, you really are. And if you don't think you are, then that's you know that that's highlighting your deficiencies about being aware of your weaknesses. I think what you've got to do is it's planning and process. So I think early yeah. doors. Look at where your successes are. Look of you know how your recruitment strategy is in place. If you get that right, um, if you get your strategy right, so I, I, I'll sort of um, I'll put it out there with our pre academy uh, strategy. I think um, we work very closely um, with uh, borough soccer schools who who in general um, and, and over massive depth of area set up a lot of the TGFA grassroots teams from the younger age. So they're not committed to one grassroots club, but they coach a number of boys right across the Teesside and surrounding areas and set up their clubs for them. Um, and, and it's led by Craig Archer, who's a fantastic person, but also mm-hmm. very good coach. And he, and, he, and he has an understanding of the needs of the kids. So we have a real close uh, link uh, partnership with, with Craig. Also, we do... Um, you know, with past soccer at Durham, and also we do um, w- with a number of partnerships around, you know, around sort of the northeast. And, and what that what that's initially done is sort of highlight mm-hmm. players of potential that that we have uh, partnered with the club. So we're already a step ahead by having those people who have number have have a number of boys who are who are coached by themselves. Um, Throughout uh, five, six, or sevens, and by the time we get to under eights, we have a we have a pre academy um, sort of a, elite group, which has also been. Thir- and you're not going to get everybody, but I think if you, I think if your recruitment process uh, and the situation that you're aware of at the start of the season, how you're going to do it, who you're going to do it with, and what sort of target groups you're going to work at, I think you're already a step ahead. By, by sort of identifying um, the, the the players early that you want to that you want to progress into the into the academy system. And I think if you if you identify early early also the traits that you're looking in those players of potential, then you shouldn't be releasing any boys unless it's not right for the for the boy. You shouldn't be releasing any boys on deficiencies of of certain aspects over the first foundation phase years. I think you've you've got to you've got to really look. Um, look further ahead and be patient, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so like, I guess the youth development phase, you, you know, the, I, I take, you know, there's lots of different parts of that strategy, but but one of them is if if it's yeah. not captured, it so it's a, it's a, sounds the wrong the wrong word to capture, but bring bring them in at under nines. You, you, you still you've still got them partnerships going on. That's keeping a regular yeah. eye on how well they're doing as part of the coaching well, program. Well, I think at 12 to 16, to 12 to 16. Um, obviously um, at that youth development phase at grassroots, again, um, you've, you've got to be fully aware of the, you know, the action 
around uh, your local grassroots and county levels and district levels because that's where you'll see ultimately the biggest change in in in, in aesthetically on on people's eyes because obviously what um what what happens is um that's where you see the biggest change of you know young boys um growing into young men and with comes with that comes different traits of personality the 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 all of a sudden they've developed one and i certainly know that with my little girl where she you know all of a sudden they start chatting back and start being cheeky and that's what you'll and, and that's do you know what and having an opinion and that's great because when kids start having an opinion they'll start questioning and testing and that 12 to 16 youth development phase age group at grassroots level is key because what you'll find is the things that you you wanted to see happen at the younger age some kids you just have to wait a little bit longer and it happens then and that's why you've got to be on the ball i mean um probably um what, what one of my and listen this is not me sort of taking a loan credit or anything like that but it's a good example of, of how things work obviously um i initially identified and, and recruited um nathan wood gordon who is obviously one of the youngest players to play in our first team. However, I'm, I'm only part of that process. I, I, I'm, I've identified him, we've recruited him and signed him, but then pass him over to the coaches, you know, who have who, who have had um, massive influences on the boy and, you know, on his progression. And, you know, ultimately, you know, it's out of my hands then. So I've just done the nice part, you know, the good cop, if you like, told him, you know, told him the opportunity that he'll get, you know, et cetera, and given, signed the form and, the registration form and, you know, uh, complete the registration with his club, Stockton Town, uh, and, and, you know, kept uh, good relationships with them. But he's, once he's come in the building, it's out of my hands now, apart from obviously continuing to, you know, to know the boys and, uh, you know, to, to, to keep having it and try to keep it, you know, on, a, on an even keel as well. Not just talking about football, talking about things in general, about, you know, what they're doing in, 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 in at school and what they're doing with their mates and, you know, and wind them up about girlfriends because ultimately they are still kids and they do want to, they do want to sort of still be brought back to that earth. So I brought Nathan in at 13. So Nathan came into our system, our academy system at 13. Um, so he's missed the foundation phase out. He's obviously, um, right. you know, and then he's been highlighted um, playing at district football on a Tuesday night uh, for Stockton schools. Um, and, and, and he won't mind me saying this, but, on the night, mm-hmm. he wasn't the, the the star performer, but he just looked. My, I always say this, and you know, uh, people say, "Well, wh- what do you mean?" But he looked the part, you know. He he, he looked the part. He, he you know, nice shape where he's turned now. Yeah. All of a sudden, his shape stretched and gone longer and leggier, and you think, "Oh, he now looks the part of what he could end up being when he's 18, 19, 20. You can see more in that again in that phase mm-hmm. so as a youngster he obviously he looked the part in terms of athletically but he, he openly said he couldn't deal with mistakes but that night he, he that I watched him play was willing but just wasn't always able so he was willing to hit the big diag 30 40 yard he saw it it just got blocked off he was willing to sort of compete with the center forward even though the center forward physically um, mm-hmm. was was sort of more squat compact um, and and more dynamic at that moment of time, but all those things sort of were coming more apparent and clear what you could end up with with Nathan in eighteen, nineteen, twenty. So you could see that, but also the willingness and you know the the grit that he displayed, where he wasn't able to, but he was willing to compete. And we brought him in, and within a year, 
a year and a half, he's playing for England at schoolboy level, and then a year and a half down the line, he makes his debut for the first team. So that's a that's a great example of kids who are in the 12th to 16th phase who haven't been recruited or identified yet, you know. So it uh, gives a lot of positivity for them kids who are show grit and determination and they just need time to grow into their bodies, you know. Yeah, excellent. Another great example. And and I guess, Martin, as well, obviously, as you know, you, from a... One of the sort of uh, topic of conversations is 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 generally sort of if you're if you're out there scouting, you might be following a lad for one or two years, and you can mm-hmm. really see what they've got, you know, what strengths and weaknesses are, and then they, they get an opportunity to go in for a trial, and and like you say, it's a new environment, it's 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 very different, um, and they just don't perform in that trial. How 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 much how's that decision process? work where you've got you've got the scout the recruiter on one side going I watched this guy for two years I know he's a good player um and he comes in and he has he has his trial and and the coaches don't think he's quite at the level and 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 is it have you been involved in many of them certain senses and how yeah how yeah I mean of, that that, that will that happen at every in, club that day but it's a great question player? because we we always laugh about it and, and a lot of the coaches in the coach room are, are, are close friends of mine and we always laugh and I always say we bring a player in and you ruin them and they'll say oh we they'll say you bring a player in and we develop them you know so it's great great banter. <laughs> everybody's got to be on the same that's key everyone's got to have an understanding yes. of talent ID even as a coach ID um, staff got to have a standing on um, the coaching principles and it takes time to, to, to develop a rough diamond you know so um, it is very difficult we, we what we do we'll bring a boy in um, and, and obviously we'll assess him over over a period of time on trial or we, we, we may we may some so yeah you can you can sort of reminisce off traits uh, apparent and similar to other boys who have progressed, but every kid's different. So I think every kid who comes into the system um, on trial, depending depending on what sh- what they show in the games, sometimes they just don't show anything and, it, and it's too much for them. And, and it's very, very difficult. But ultimately, sometimes you've got to say, you know, that's... Mm-hmm. That's football where they do get that one opportunity, and it's that's where people in the past, a lot of the older generation, say, "Oh, it's all about luck." Well, actually, some things do boil down to a bit of luck in the right place, in the right time, performing at the right stage, or somebody might just take an in- instant fancy. I remember going back many years now, and I'm probably going off the, off. You know, once we talk about football, I, I always go off track. If you like, you know, I'm like. A, like a kid with a toy, but I remember Curtis Main. We brought Curtis Main in on trial, <laughs> and um, I remember to be fair, Craig Little was manager of Darlington, and, and I'd seen I brought Curtis in as a trialist when he was uh, 15 um, from Darlington and um, under Gareth Southgate and Martin Crosby, and then and then Dart he played in Darlington's first team. And I remember Craig obviously with had good identification principles too, and he saw Curtis Main and, and he was getting released from Darlington. I said, We'll have a look at him. And we brought him into train, um, and all of a sudden, Tony Mowbray was walking up the steps, and he just saw this blonde, powerful boy, Bray one with his left foot, Bray one with his right foot, and on his way down, he just said, oh, take him upstairs and get him signed. And it just instantly, instant opportunities arose where he's in the right place, the right time, and obviously mm-hmm. has to have that talent and, and traits to be able to do that. But obviously, he, he, he's shown it in front of the right people. 
Um, if he could have had a couple of mistakes in that session, Mogger comes up and says, oh, he's not for me. And that's him ruled out. So sometimes people only get one game. I think youth development phase, foundation phase, they're given a longer extended period of trials. Um, so you can, you will have a look at, they'll have good bits, they'll have bad bits, they'll have indifferent bits. But ultimately, if you if they highlight the potential, then we sit down in a multi-diverse opinions. And I think we, we've all got to be singing from the same hinge sheet as we're not looking for now. We're looking for what they could be like with the same amount of coaching and catch-up time that the other boys have already had. And I think that's how we try and link it all together. But um, it's difficult. It's difficult because, yeah. uh, you know, a scout can watch a boy months and months and months and bring him in. He has one bad game and the coaches say no. So I think, again, that's an education and a bias um, from coaches, but it also is the bias the same from the scouts that he's watched him and he's good enough. So your bias towards that kid, the coach says, "Well, I watched him in one game. You know, he's missed chances. We haven't won the game, and that's a bias against him." So we've got to rule all that out and just look at his traits that he has in potential. Well, he actually he got in those opportunities, but he just missed the chances. But he he actually got in those because of a physical trait, he got us because of a, a tactical, a movement trait or a technical trait. His receiving skill was tight, you know, so it's, we've got to build on the things that we see, not sort of what we have already seen and rule out on the, the negative, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and as they get older to the, to the final phase, is there anything that you can comment or yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, like this is this is my sort of latter stage, I guess. Um, so I, I work in the PDP phase now. And what I've found over the last couple of years, the most important thing, as long as you've got good principles in terms of your potential, your um, certain outstanding traits that players may have and may need help in other traits, and you've got a sort of you know, get a piece of string and attach them to those in the non-league scene or in the, the lower league scene or in whatever scene at PDP and attach it to someone who's in your first team now and, you know, physically will take tactically cross, technically cross, uh, psychosocial tick. Could they make up the gap, you know? Well, we don't know that. We really don't. So I think we've got to give people opportunities because I think the way things are moving forward, we've got lots of really positive experiences in Lewis Wing coming from the non-league scene, uh, playing for Shildon and then progressing into being, you know, in terms of stats and numbers, one of the best in the championship. Um, there's lots of, you know, there's, there's lots of players that are out there where they might have an outstanding trait who have been in the academy system where there's lots of other players have the same trait, where if you do your succession plan and, and depth charts um, within your own sort of system, then you might have a, a need for one or two of those players and that allows them to progress further um, than they would have progressed at that other club. And then all of a sudden you come out with these big gold badges and stickers saying, oh, you've identified one. But actually, if you do your homework first and do your depth charts, succession planning, there just might not be a player like that at your club. So if you bring someone in with an outstanding physical potential and all of a sudden he catches the eye because of that, um, he might be no... Um, better than what you've got, but he might have a trait better than what you actually that you've ever had, um, and they get that opportunities. I think, but the most important thing with that is is relationships. That's key, relationships and communication. 
So over the last couple, over the last twenty year, I guess I feel so old now when I'm saying twenty year. Over the last twenty year, the the relationships and the the contacts that I've <laughs> built up um, is obviously and trust that I've that that people have in me and I have in them. That's allowed me to. I think that's allowed me to identify players, which I. That's where I feel a, a lot of the 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 real um, traits that I'd learned from Dave and from Ron. Um, but where I feel as though I put my own stamp on it, I've, I've expanded it. I've moved it out. I've, I've sort of, I've, I've looked to recruit from the non-league in the London scene. I've looked to recruit from um, across seas in, in the non-league scene. And not necessarily um, because I know more or because, but because of the relationships that I've continuously strived to build. And also it, it creates openings that you wouldn't normally sort of see on the eye. So it creates openings, um, you know, to, to teams that you would normally have no mm-hmm. real sort of uh, link to. Uh, and then that allows you to extra pockets of players that you wouldn't normally see. Um, so it's relationships massively with the P. Everybody, I think, if you're working in the PDP phase, should know players, should know the traits that it takes to make a player to, to progress into the senior level. However, I think the relationships that you create opens up more pockets of those players to come out from where you wouldn't normally see. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. So obviously you've highlighted um, a player that you kind of recruited at 13, has gone on to do really well. Um, and, and like you say, I know you sort of pointed out that it's a, it's a, it's a team effort, so it's not just... I'm not just saying this for Martin Carter's brought this player in, but is there any other players, Martin, that you can maybe um, talk about a little bit about, like, you know, what, what you saw? Yeah, and yeah I mean, um, like I say, I do want to sort of, sort of um, to, to really make the, the point clear that it's not all about the, the scout or the, 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 the one who identifies the player, but they put them on that pathway and there's a lot of things that can affect that journey. Um, so the kid has to take a lot of pride and, you know, and, and self um, and self-progress of that he's, he's overcome a lot of um, barriers to get the way he's got to but yeah yeah so I, I, I remember at a real PDP phase I, um, I, I recruited so I didn't identify because he, he was, he'd been at Newcastle Academy he'd been on trial at Darlington he'd been on trial at Hartlepool he was playing for Gateshead College so um, I, I basically recruited Adam Reach from Gateshead College um, and again he, he, he come into the system and the reason why recruit him because in terms of he looked the part, you know, uh, six foot two, long leggy, loping left footed stride, you know, a nice left foot, good technician, and just looked the part. Um, probably he'd been he'd probably been um, put off people's radars because prior to looking the part, he'd sort of he'd probably been through lots of growth and um, physical issues and um, been ruled out from academies at a young age. So released at Newcastle at fifteen. Um, sort of not not accepted after trials at Hartlepool and uh, Darlington and and actually so that means well if you're not getting you're not you know you're not going to get signed at a at a lower league club and why would anyone look at you again and that's where he's on psych social grit and and confidence in himself but being given an opportunity by looking the part by by someone either like myself or our club um looking at traits of potential that we think he could get to. He might have never got to, but he's got to take a massive amount of credit for himself of where he's got to. Hayden Coulson, Hayden Coulson, who's been a, a big success in our first team. Um, I identified him at 13. 
Um, he was one where I, I walked across a grassroots pitch and I ended up staying there all day watching him. You know, had, had like a, a, a physical medium sort of small mm-hmm. set frame, but wiry and willing and, and, and just had a, an enthusiasm to, to run with the ball and to impose himself on the game. And I remember him like it was yesterday, he comes into the training with the academy on trial and I remember Alan Armstrong shouted over in this big Geordie voice saying, don't let him leave without signing him. Um, it was very funny, really, you know, um, and we, we laugh about that still. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Hayden Corson, uh, Adam Reach is, But then there's lots of other boys who haven't, who haven't obviously, um, that, that, that have been recruited to the, to the club um, and, and have found their own pathways, different pathways. There's a boy who always makes me laugh. I thought he was a fantastic kid. He's 30 now, so 31, so it makes me feel even older. So there's a boy. Stephen Thompson, who's just gone from Darling to Spennymoor, he was one of my first recruits, and everyone <laughs> laughed at. I'm trying to, I'm trying to recruit clones of myself, you know, the the short, stocky, sort of stumpy looking, you know. Unfortunately, Tomo, whatever, whatever he looked like, he could do the opposite. He yeah. could really play Tomo, and he's been a fantastic asset to Darlington. So his route's been different, you know. He played professional for Port Vale, but then obviously um, progressed into non-league scene. Who's been an outstanding player in the non-league scene, so. I get as much joy of seeing Tomo score on a Saturday than than what you do see other players who've progressed in other avenues. So, I think I think you've you've got to keep your principles right, but also um, you've got to keep yourself quite you know uh, quite on an even keel and not to get carried away about you know yeah absolutely you know I I was really proud when Adam Reach scored in the first team, same as when Hayden Coulson you know and Nathan Wood made his debut. You know you can let your ego get carried away. But ultimately, you've got to get the next one after that and get the next one. So, um, and, and it's not just me who gets carried away; it's the whole club because everyone's yeah. had a part of it. Yeah. The cleaner, um, the you know, the, the cook, everyone has a part in it. We're just the initial identification process, and we've got to be proud of that. But also, we've got to be humble enough to say that. Listen, we're not the only ones who, you know, I, I brought this one and I brought that one, and and that's where I've changed massively from when you first start, because. When you first start, you think all of your players should be should should be in the academy. He's better than what they've got, etc. But I, I look back now and I could cringe with some of my initial thoughts. But again, I think that's about knowing your weaknesses and and developing those. You know, so I, absolutely, I'm very proud of some of the boys where they've got to. But all similar yeah. proud of some of the boys who haven't made it with ourselves. Um, people like Callum Cook, who's had a real good season at Bradford. Um, Stephen Thompson, who's just moved to Spennymoor, but had a fantastic time at Dalton over the years. One of the voted one of their best players. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I take a lot of, uh, I take a lot of uh, pleasing from that. Yeah, great. Well, we've done nearly an hour, <laughs> so, I've, but I've got a yeah. last part, the last question I want to ask, really, which is like a two-part question. Um, in terms of um, you know, somebody who's a wanting to get into football recruitment, just to be able to give a bit of some tips and advice around that, and then be somebody who's already on the journey within recruitment, but um, wants to really progress. So, any advice around maybe just starting with the the person who always want always want to get into football yeah. recruitment, but. But yeah, I think I think to, the, the, the person out on the um, side of the football speak? clubs who who were desperate to get in, I think the more small at a time expectation, 
don't if you get the opportunity to do part-time pre-academy scouting take it as a massive privilege you know and the, the harder you work and the more you come across good person loyalty honesty and open you will progress on the ladder in that you're not going to go into the the building and, and and scout for the first team overnight. I think there's a lot of people who think that the the pathway um, should be, you know, should be fast tracked. But listen, um, I think before you sort of get an understanding of what 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 kids look like, um, get an understanding of, you know, tie a bit of string around a, a seven year old and and look at him again when he's under nine, look at him again when he's under 12, and look at what the changes have taken place. And when he gets to that 12 to 16, all of a sudden you'll, you'll, be, you'll be making comments like, oh, his, his shape's changed and he's moving a lot better. And, and those are actually the, the, just the, the maturation, what happens, you know. So I think get out and watch games, get out and watch all different types of phases. Even if you're not going to work in the PDP phase, watch a, a pre-academy phase, watch a PDP phase and, what they should look like at pre-academy is not always what they'll end up looking like in the PDP phase. Get out and watch games. There's nothing better than experiencing live grassroots yeah. football or on or non-league or county games and get an understanding of of their development, their the psychosocial and and the tactical technical. Um, because there's lots of there's lots of players who might have one outstanding trait and they might struggle on the other three. However, if you know if that club doesn't have um, somebody with that, that type of outstanding trait, um, then they may get an opportunity a lot quicker um, than, than, than what they would expect and what you would expect. And and then all of a sudden you hear people down the pub say, oh, I was better than him. Yeah, but actually he had this amazing trait where other clubs may not have. So get out and watch games, get out and experience games. And, you know, and I think, you know, be be resilient and be gritty. So you will make mistakes. Um, so you will make mistakes. You you will uh, you will get things wrong. But be open minded about that and admit you've got it wrong and admit you've made mistakes and learn from it. Um, you know, put put lots of people. I think the way things are are going now are, are going to be encouraged now to produce their own players. So you know, write letters in. You know, write letters into clubs. Uh, well, that shows you how old I am or how. Um, letters in you know emails and you know and and just and just come across as and, and don't come across as this is what i've done basically can we have a chat can we meet up and have a chat and you know ask can i come and shadow can i come and watch and show show that you're actually you're wanting to do it not that you want to do it as a hobby you want to do it as a because you have a real thirst for it not that you want to do it just to see how quickly you can progress on the ladder you know People, people who are already on the yeah, ladder, yeah. I think the most and, important and thing is be patient. Ladder, be patient, players. Be patient with progress. Be patient with um, results. Yeah. Be patient. Um, you know, I think, I think there's a big, a big thing in um, when you're already on the ladder. I think as as well as is make sure um, you recruit the right people around you. That's key. You've got to have people who who are honest, open, and aware of. Uh, can you can you be yeah. ca- can you be a, a, aware of someone's faults and can you go and approach them? So I think you could do it that way. 
there's 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 a hundred ways of doing that. I think we've spoke about it in the past, David, isn't it? Is there's a hundred ways of doing that, and I think you'll get it wrong the first couple of times, but as long as you realise you've got it wrong, you'll do it yeah. differently the next time. Um, if if you sign a player and and it and it doesn't work out, um, don't still hang on to that you've made the right decision. Put your hand up and say I got it wrong, you know, and you'll learn from it the next time. I think you've got to be really humble in your approach. Um, while you're already on the ladder and and, and, and be open-minded into learning. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. up until the last couple of years, I, I complete the level four talent ID, where in the past there was only uh, like your A licence, your B licence, your coaching pathway. And, and I think there's a lot of management courses that, that, you can, that you can go on. And that was part of the talent ID level four that I completed. And I think I come away from there. Yes, I probably hadn't learned any difference in identifying players I, I i think that's my that's my strength identifying potential players and, and and seeing what probably they'll end up like rather than what they are now i think that's my strength but i think probably my weakness is you know my time management and and juggling you know juggling balls or spinning plates is what you call it and i think i've learned probably over the years now to um to palm your workload off because i wanted to do everything myself and i think now um, you realise that you can't do everything yourself because if you know your weaknesses, you want to put those uh, workloads onto people who are expertise in, in, in those in those parts and, and you, you, it makes them feel better that you're passing workload onto them. And I think sometimes you want to do everything yourself because you think you're the only one who can do it, but ultimately you're not. <laughs> delegation, absolutely. It's, it's very hard. It's very hard because... You feel as though if you delegate, you feel as though I'm I'm doing it and, and I want to show people what I can do. But ultimately now you quickly realise that, you know, people are in positions and I think are in positions for their strengths. And ultimately that's what I, um, I look back as the reason why I was appointed because I had a strength in identifying players yeah. with potential to progress further. And I was good with relationships with other people. Um it certainly wasn't my computer skills and it certainly wasn't my uh, technical base on uh, academia, if you like. Um, but I was aware of that and they were aware of that. So I think that's why <laughs> that's why we joined it up. <laughs> yeah. One final one. What's, what's next for you, Martin? I mean, obviously you've had a fantastic career with one club as well. That's especially no, impressive. No, no. Um, but... You're not as old as you're making out on on here. <laughs> so, um, so, so what? I think. Um, well, saying I'm not as I appreciate that. Saying I'm not as old as that. But when I was doing forward. that five k run, my daughter, I felt a lot older. Um, to 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 be honest with you, to be honest with you, I, I think um, I've put a <laughs> an awful lot of time in over the years away from, um, obviously away from the family. I think now, I think I've I've realised under this sort of on this this really question mark time what was happening with. Obviously, the COVID, I've spent a lot more time with the family, a lot more time with my wife, a lot more time with my little girl. And, and recognising, I think, you know, I have got to start start basically sharing sharing my time as well, you know. I think, I think, I'll, I think I'll always, you know, Middlesbrough is a massive part of, of obviously my, uh, of my life and my sort of real, you know, that's, that's my hobby, Middlesbrough. And, um, the, the, the job wise is that I, I'm, I'm in a massive privilege uh, to be where I am. Obviously, I, I've started doing some uh, tutoring uh, for the FA, which a couple of years ago I, I would have probably laughed at um, and thinking, 
they probably wouldn't want me waffering on getting talked away. The, 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 getting getting talked away um, for, on football terms and reminiscing <laughs> what we did, etc. But um, I, I've quite enjoyed that as well and meeting new people. Um, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm really enthusiastic for, for for whatever whatever part I do, and I'll continue to to try and be the best I can and progress uh, Middlesbrough players and to sit on the outside. I'm quite happy when when a player comes through into the first team. You know, I know myself, I've done the initial identification and recruitment and, you know, it, it's lovely. To, you know, I've had messages, you know, and signed shirts over the last couple of months of Hayden Coulson and Dale Fry and Steve Walker, etc. And, you know, lovely that, you know, off there. Um, but also, I, I looked at the other day and I had one from Stephen Thompson at Portville. I started laughing. So, no, I, I'm quite happy doing my bit part. And, um, and and if a player progresses into the first team and, and does their family proud and does themselves, more importantly, proud, um, you know, I, I, I'll be happy. Um, and, yeah, yeah, I, I just think I'll – whatever I do, I'll do it with, uh, you know, utmost integrity and passion and, 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 uh, and try and support and help where I can. That's excellent. Yeah, I think we've been have been very lucky to have somebody of your calibre on today, Martin. It's come across really well, and also for the club as well. I think it's come across how you know it, how because Middlesbrough have had a lot of success um, at academy level, bringing players through, and I'm sure that no problem across to the listeners is is to yeah. why. So thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll probably be uh, it'll probably be going in there. I walk into the firing line. It'll be your dad. You were useless earlier on in that run. I'll say, well. You're absolutely right, but I completed it. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> no problem. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Yeah.